Welcome back to Safe Talk with Safe Start. I'm Danny Smith. And before I introduce today's guest, I want to uh, set the stage just a bit for the purpose of this podcast. Today, we're going, well, I guess you could say off-roading a little bit, if you will. Normally, we take the tact on this podcast of passing along information about human factors and the human factors approach to safety. But today, we're going to try something a little different, a little bit new, uh, that we hope will be a helpful tool for you. And depending upon your response, well, we'll either do more of these or, well, we may not do any more of them altogether. We'll see. Uh, the engine of Safe Start really and truly is all about the stories. And as Larry Wilson says, not just one or two stories that we need to hear, but lots and lots of stories. So with that in mind, we're going to start sharing some of our favorite stories amongst the Safe Start team. I mentioned a new tool for you as well. Are you or your supervisors required to have so many safety interactions per month or per week? Uh, do you find yourself sometimes just scrambling for relevant or meaningful fodder to, to fill those required meetings? Well, that's where we think this type podcast could come in handy for you. Uh, imagine at your next meeting or perhaps your next toolbox session, uh, just taking an audio clip from this session today and uh, from our pros and just you know letting your group pick out the, the states and the errors and, and the search. You know, you could just pause the story and then kind of listen to what we're talking about with that as well. So with all that in mind, uh, kind of setting the stage, a bit of a long-winded approach to it, but I think you see where we're going. I'd like to welcome back to the podcast, uh, Miss Rhonda Piggy. Rhonda, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Danny, and I'm happy to be back. I think um, you guys have been doing a great job. Thanks so much. Uh, we, we've really had a blast doing Safe Talk and really appreciate you working with us on this. Uh, for those of you who didn't catch Rhonda's last appearance here on the podcast, uh, we were talking about the integration of human factors into compliance training. And I'd really encourage you to go back and listen to that one as well. A bit about Rhonda's background. She is a CSP and she holds a Master's of Occupational Safety, Health and Environmental Management with a Bachelor of Human Development and Psychology. I think I got all that right, correct? <laughs> and uh, she's uh, she's had field experience in including uh, with Kellogg Brown and Root. Uh, she's also worked on multiple U.S. Army bases and military bases, I guess you say, not just Army, but military bases uh, in Iraq. And uh, that's actually the short version of her bio, and it actually is a great introduction to what we want to talk about today. Uh, Rhonda, I mentioned in our previous podcast that the first time that, uh, that we met, uh, you shared a story during one of our public workshops about uh, being, uh, well, I don't want to steal your thunder, but just a, a situation that happened to you in Iraq uh, in one of Saddam Hussein's palaces. you mind sharing that story real quickly? Oh, no, I don't mind at all. Um, <laughs> going way back here on this one. So usually when people find out that I've been to Iraq, they usually want to know kind of where I've been. So I spent the majority of my four years in Iraq at a camp called Taji. Um, outside of where I've been, people usually also want to know what it's like. <laughs> it was very sure. dusty and hot, to say yeah. the least. It felt like walking in a convection oven filled with, I guess, powdered sugar or something like that, but less appetizing there. 
Um, but as far as my story goes, um, it kind of happened toward the end of my first year in Iraq. I was asked to go on convoy with the military. It was a very unique situation because if at all possible, they used to try to send a civilian male as opposed to a civilian female. Not saying that this is fair, but for the job that needed to be done, that is typically what happened. Well, my boss thought that I was the best person for the job. So my choice was to go on convoy or pack my things and go home. <laughs> and um, even though I was really scared, I decided to go ahead and go on convoy with the military. It was supposed to be a very quick trip. Hop on the convoy the next day, take a trip out to this site. Um, it was then the tallest building in Iraq and our military had kind of cleared it out of insurgents and they had been occupying it to make sure it wasn't reoccupied by insurgents. Mm -hmm. um, but a little known fact is even in Iraq, we try to follow the OSHA rules and EPA rules as much as possible. So what they needed was someone like myself to go out and kind of inventory the damages and kind of figure out what it would cost to bring it up to more livable a more livable environment sure. um, is I guess how I would say that. But needless to say, it was supposed to be a trip there, evaluate the building and then a trip back, you know, in the next day or so. Well, it's the real world. And we all know in the real <laughs> world, things don't always go according to plan. I ended up being on convoy with the military for an entire week. Um, but needless to say, when we got to the building, um, they weren't expecting a civilian female. So the very first night I had to actually bunk in a room full of civilian guys, not just civilian guys and contractors from the company I worked for, not even just ones that came on convoy with me, but literally it was guys from all over people I didn't know. It wasn't my happiest moment, but again, I couldn't stick out my thumb and hitchhike a ride back to my normal base. So I dealt with it. Yeah. Lucky for me, though, the next day, um, one of the soldiers comes in and he goes, hey, piggy. And, you know, he can't say it with a straight face. I'm like, yeah, that's me. He goes, we found somewhere else for you to bunk. Um, that location was up a set of marble stairs um, with a group of military ladies. I got up there. I identified a bunk that was empty, throwed all my stuff down. At this point, I'm happy. Yay. <laughs> right. I got a room change. And then the <laughs> second thing that I was happy about is that I could finally take a shower. Um, I knew we brought water in with us on convoy. So I'm like, whoo. Shower time. Baby wipes only go so far for so Absolutely. long. So um, I pick up everything I need for the shower. I put on a pair of flip flops and I'm holding um, my items in both my hands. And I started making my way to that shower. Now, Danny, where do you think the shower was located? Uh, I'm guessing downstairs, right? Downstairs and outside. But guess what? I did not care. I have my things in my head and I'm heading for that shower. I take a couple steps and I feel my feet slip from under me and I bounce literally all the way to the bottom of the staircase. And of course, as I'm walking, I'm sitting and thinking, man, I know we have water, but I hope it's hot. As I bounce to the bottom of the staircase, um, I don't know about you, but being a safety person, the first thing I did was hop up like who's looking, who's looking. Oh yeah, um, I think everybody <laughs> does that, right? Yeah, right. not just a safety folks, but certainly everybody, yeah. Everybody does. But um, once I saw that no one was paying me any attention attention, whether to laugh or render aid, I sat back <laughs> down right at the bottom of the staircase, thinking about how lucky I was in Iraq, surrounded by risk every single day, um, literal snipers on the roof, bombs going off. But the one thing that could have killed me was a simple slip and fall down the stairs. Um, things could have been so much worse. I could have fallen, hit in my head. I could have broken a bone. But lucky for me, other than an achy rear end, I lived to see another day. 
Um, so that's my safe start story. It's a bit long, but that's it. <laughs> well, and it, like you said, it could have been so, so bad as well. You know, falling on onto any staircase certainly can hurt, but certainly falling on a hard marble staircase like that, that's, that's an entirely different thing. So mm-hmm. with your story, um, sounds like maybe just a maybe a little bit of in, inadvertent brushing maybe there, but although I think complacency is probably the big thing for you. Is that fair to say? That is fair. You know, um, how many staircases have I walked up and down in my lifetime? I learned real quick, though, that sand on marble paired with flip-flops is not a good combination. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and with that, um, I'm guessing as far as the errors that cause then, you know, mine not on task typically does go with the the concept of complacency were, were you really looking where you're going there or was your vision kind of blocked by what you had in your hands there in my head I feel like I was kind of looking but I it might have been one of those situations of looking but not seeing you know sure. type of a thing especially with the daydreaming that I had going on yeah you're just thinking about the hot water at that point that's right? it that's all <laughs> yeah. and obviously that that led to a a balanced traction and well, a balance and traction issue. We refer to that balance traction and grip, obviously, but yeah, balance and traction for sure. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, we always talk about the, the, not only the states and errors, but more importantly, the skills part of safe start, the search, the critical error reduction techniques. Um, and for the rushing, maybe, maybe just a little bit of uh, maybe perhaps self triggering, I guess there would, would have helped. Right. Absolutely. Definitely on the rushing, lots of things, the hazardous energy even, right? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Cause uh, you know, going down a set of marble staircases and yeah, that's, that's a great point. You know, just thinking about the hazardous energy of gravity there for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, What about, uh, you know, for complacency, we would talk about uh, practicing building habits and working on those habits is a really, really key thing there. Uh, And one of the one that's, that's, very prominent on our on our list is you know holding the handrail on when you're going up or downstairs and I think yeah. that's key is not just going downstairs it's also going upstairs because I've I don't know about you but I've fallen going upstairs <laughs> probably as much as I have going down them right mm-hmm. absolutely yeah. you know and I think it's interesting to think about the idea of handrails in general especially right now because I know a lot of people uh, you know post-COVID or as we're hopefully winding down the COVID pandemic, uh, people have, uh, have stopped holding the handrails and maybe maybe at least we're hovering our hands over the handrails there a bit. But, uh, you know, it, it's interesting because, you know, I guess it brings to mind, you know, and I know there's some companies out there who have very strict policies about using handrails. And if that's your company policy, we understand. Uh, but, uh, you know, it kind of brings to mind, you know, can you go up and down in a set of steps without holding that handrail and do that safely. I I think it's possible, but you got to really, really focus on each individual step and heighten, increase your awareness level there. Right. And that comes back to a bit of self triggering, but there certainly are some folks out there that just don't want to touch handrails in general. Right. Yeah. I will say, you know, it's getting us into an advanced safe start concept, that concept of now we know we should self trigger or we do self trigger, but we don't do step two, right. Which is change the action on my part. I honestly did deliberately not hold a handrail, you know, Um, and it was because I was a germaphobe long before COVID. I was a germaphobe. (laughs) So it doesn't surprise me that now people are in a similar situation where they're not holding those handrails because of that, you know, biological 
hazard there. Um, I do think it's possible to walk up and down the stairs without holding a handrail, but like you said, increase eyes and mind on task, right? has to be there. And I had done it again a thousand times, but now we're going back into that complacency mm -hmm. state of um, now you're lowering your awareness around it. So absolutely, but it can be done. Yeah, awesome. But that's the thing you have to, you, as you said, you can't let the complacency overwhelm you there. You have to really, really focus on each individual step, whether you're mm -hmm. going up or going down. But if complacency is high, uh, which in your case it was right. Um, then you're not going to, uh, increase your awareness there. You're, you 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 got to rely on that habit to mm -hmm. be able to just automatically reach out and, and, and grab the handrail. And, you Absolutely. know, I, I, do, I, I, I always think about that particular habit and just the physical part of and mental part of what we do when we're working on that habit. Uh, when you first start working on it, literally you have to mentally tell your hand to reach out and grab the handrail, right? Right. Uh, and you do that every time you start going to a set of steps. Uh, but over time, uh, you know, it, it gets to the point when you start to get to a set of steps, your hand reaches out automatically, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah. uh, that's when you've gotten to real habit strength, right? Yeah. And I can say, Danny, since then I have learned um, and I do have the habit of holding the handrail now. Mm -hmm. My kind of general thought about it, and maybe this will help other people struggling with whether to be a germaphobe or, you know, hold the handrail. Um <laughs> It's all about short term versus long term risk um, in the short term. Holding that handrail is protecting us from a wide variety of potential long term injuries, um, including the possibility of being paralyzed or some people even fall and they die. Right. Absolutely. Just to be quite yeah. candid, not to scare tactic anyone. So if you're not around to suffer the consequences of getting the flu or catching COVID, what does it matter? So yeah. for me, you know, looking at the chances I may get sick from holding the handrail as opposed to dying in the short term because I tripped and fell. I think when you do the math for me, I'm going to hold the handrails moving forward. Right. You know? Right. And that's the thing, you know, uh, we can always get to the top of the, or the bottom of the, of the handrails and, and use the hand sanitizer or, or whatever it is. Um, you know, I think about that, you know, going through airports, you know, with the escalators and the, the uh, moving sidewalk kind of things there in the, in the airport, you, you think about those things and certain, I've seen those things stop suddenly, you know, and people go tumbling. So even though there's probably a lot of, uh, well, I hate to go back to first grade here, but uh, there's probably a lot of cooties on there, right? So we want to avoid the cooties, you know, but at the same time, boy, it's better to hold on and not fall and, and, and hurt yourself. So uh, really, really great way to look at that. You know, we can always stop. And in your case, you were, you were actually going to the shower. So you would have been washing away the germs pretty quickly there anyway. Pretty right? much, so, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, like I said, that, that's one of my favorite all-time stories from our staff. And I, I still remember to the day when you when you told the story for the first time and I heard it uh, there in Houston, I think it was back a number of years ago. Uh, so definitely one of my all-time favorites. Thank you. Well, I can say um, that it's not my favorite moment um, in my life or whatnot, <laughs> but it definitely makes a couple of important points. You know, we pointed some out you know, then, and I just want to point a couple of them out now, sure. even safety professionals make mistakes. And usually it does involve that state to error risk pattern that you've been um, kind of analyzing there for me. Um, mm -hmm. Another point to make is in order to teach safe start to others, we must be willing to humble ourselves 
especially when life has tripped us up and fun is definitely intended there. <laughs> yeah. Definite trip up there. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are some great points to end on. And, you know, that's the thing. Uh, we all make mistakes. We can learn from each other and, and we can learn from each other's mistakes. So it's part of that vicarious learning experience. But Rhonda, thanks so much for being here today and for sharing that story. Uh, and uh, again, one of my favorites of all time. So. Thank you so much. It was nice being here. Hopefully next time it won't be about a time I fail, but I'll Absolutely. Be, happy to be back. Yep. Yeah. And thanks so much for everybody uh, for being here today, for our listeners. Uh, we really appreciate uh, you taking the time out of your day to listen. Uh, just a couple of quick reminders. If you found this podcast helpful, uh, please share it with others. And as we said, you know, feel free to use this as a part of some of your toolbox talks or things of that nature. And if you'd like to hear more well, story podcast like this, uh, we'd like to hear from you. Uh, you can reach out to me or you can reach out to our producer, Kevin Cobb. Uh, Kevin's email is pretty easy. It's Kevin, K-E-V-I-N at safestart.com. That's Kevin at safestart.com. And uh, you can just give Kevin kind of a quick thumbs up, thumbs down on this. And uh, that'll actually help us determine whether we do more of these types of podcasts or not, not in the future. Also, a quick reminder, don't forget, we do have our Human Factors Conference coming up this February, and that's going to be in Kissimmee, Florida. Registration is now open, and you can access that at our website for the conference. It's www.humanfactorsconference, factors with an S, humanfactorsconference.com. Or as always, you can contact Contact your account executive with Safe Start and they can give you more information on that. But the website is up and live and registration is now open. So we'd love to see you there in February in Kissimmee for our Human Factors Conference. Again, thanks for being here today. I'm Danny Smith for Safe Talk with Safe Start. And thanks again for listening.